Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Welcome to church, everybody. Third service. You got to sleep in or you just accomplished some things. Good to see you, Drake. It's good to see everybody here. Welcome. Um, No, I am not the pastor of the church. Uh, Our pastors are away this weekend. So glad to give them some time off with family. They, um, I I think we have a picture of them. I want to make sure you see this. So there they are. We love them. Pastors Roger and Kim, Yaden, and that's a manly face. This is a baby face. Yes, I'm actually 27. I know I look 14, but my brother could grow a full beard at 16, and I'm, I don't know what happened. We have the same parents, I promise. (laughs) Um, I I just want to honor Pastors Roger and Kim, I know they're not here, but can we just give them a hand? I just, so much love and respect for them. You know, in 1 Timothy 5, verses 17, it talks about how we should um, treat elders of the church or or leaders um, of the church, especially those who uh, labor in preaching and teaching. They're worth double honor, the word says. So I, I just honor them today and also want to recognize that, hey, Come back. If this is your first time, uh, come back next week so you can hear the real pastor uh, preach. He is amazing, but I'm going to give it a shot today. And so I know when you're preaching and teaching, one good thing to do is you start building rapport, right? Because some of you don't know me. I'm Clark. I've already said that. But you should know a little bit about me. I was just recently married. Um, Recently married since August. There's my wonderful wife. She's stunning both inside and out. Married life has been great. And we just recently got a Costco card, uh, Costco membership. So uh, we are officially adults now. Got that Costco membership. I didn't realize that they give adult cards with the Costco membership cards. So I learned that. So I'm officially an adult. And it was like I was a kid at Disneyland when I first got that membership card, and it's like, oh, I'm free to, like, go get stuff, buy stuff, and I was like, what, what, what should I do? Where, where do I go? Where do I start? Hi, my eyes were wide. It was like, what? Overwhelmed. Where do I even start? Because everything, you know, is in bulk, you know, 10 pounds of cheese at one time. You don't get one pound of cheese normal at Winco. You, you get 10 pounds at Costco, and then you've got it for the next three years. Um, so I, I didn't realize with Costco membership, one thing you have to do if you don't have five kids is you have to learn to freeze everything so that when you buy it, it doesn't actually go to waste. So, or you just eat twice as much to cover all the extra stuff. But um, 
when it comes to uh, living for God, if you're a new believer, I know that this last month there's been people recommitting their life to Christ or committing their life to Jesus for the first time. And it can be like that Costco membership where you, you get it, you're all excited, and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Where, where do I start? There's so many different ways to go. And if you've never been in Costco or if you've never been a, a Christian before, it can be daunting. Where do I start? And so today and over the next three weeks, we want to talk about um, this series that we're starting, which is what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Which is all about what it looks like to go all in with Jesus. What does it look like to go all in with Jesus? And I want to start with this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Either way, Oh, and if you don't have your your Bibles, you can use the Sky Bible up here for your convenience, or you can get your phones out only for the Bible app. I know someone's looking at Instagram right now, checking the the masters are over, it's done. So either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. This is key. This is key when you're a new believer is this, you're dying to your old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we die to our old self and we start living for Christ. Now verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Uh, I believe the ESV words it like this, a new creation. You're new. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And that's really the core, the crux of the message today about going all in with Jesus, is that the old is gone and the new has come. The old life is gone away, removed, and we step into this new life in Christ, going all in. And, you know, new things are exciting. You know, new, new puppies, new toys, Christmas, a present. Uh, another new thing I like is new construction. If you didn't notice, we, we're building out. If you're new around here, this is not just a weird auditorium style. It's, it's that we're actually building out uh, a bigger auditorium so we can meet new people. It starts to get crowded. We had to do four services for Easter. It was, it was crazy. So we're, we're building out. I love new construction. It's exciting. And do I have any DIYers? You like to do projects yourself. Okay, I see you. You're, you're my people. Um, it's, it's fun to see DIY projects because they, they range from like really easy, dip your toes in the water, like, you know, paint the wall and, and put a picture up to like, okay, we're going to gut something and completely remodel it. And I found myself in this remodel position not that long ago because I, I think we have some pictures. At the end of 2019, um, my toilet flooded, and I woke up to drip, 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 drip. Actually, it was a rush, rush of water coming down from my upstairs master bathroom down through the ceiling into my, 
living room. So there's just a huge pool of water when I wake up. This is not a great way to wake up. And it's the kind of flooring that like you get even a little, you, you cry a tear on it and it buckles up because it just soaks it up. And so uh, insurance came. I knew we had to replace it, replace the floors. And it didn't just start with or stop with like the floors, patch the ceiling, redo the bathroom floor. Uh, it ended up, I, I started taking a lot of demo. I did a lot of demolition. So actually, the, I didn't do it, obviously. These are my friends who gave me free labor. That's Sterling Hampton just <laughs> gutting the, I, that's his wife. <laughs> He's gutting the master bathroom because it wasn't just redo the floor. It's like, okay, we're going to take it to the bones. Well, I, I'm redoing the floor. Let's just do it all. And then that's the kitchen. You know, let's not just redo the dining room, but let's redo all of that downstairs. We removed all the flooring. And then I discovered a few things. It's very exciting when you find mold everywhere, not just in the master bathroom, but also uh, in the downstairs bathroom. And so this is the before. And oh, I forgot about that picture. Actually, can you throw that, that picture up? This is funny. I, you, you guys are the only ones getting this joke because I thought it was so clever. This is in the middle, uh, right when 2020 went down, you know what I mean? And everybody was trying to get toilet paper. I thought I was so clever because uh, I bought toilets while everybody was buying toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> playing chess. You're playing chess. I'm, no, I'm playing chess. You're playing checkers. Okay, next. Let's go to the after. So it, I actually finished the project. It was, it was very nice. Awesome. There's the downstairs. Redid the bathroom. Thank you for just making me feel good because I, I needed someone to be proud of me. Um, next is, this is the master bathroom. Um, it's all gutted. You can see it's just in disarray. And after, way after, this is three years after. It took me three years, but we got there. It looks so beautiful. And then we moved one week later. Because that's, that's what happened is, is I, the bathroom, the master bathroom was gutted for three years because I, I just ran out of two big M&Ms. It's money and it's motivation. Uh, so that bathroom was left gutted for a long time. And when I got married, uh, you realize really quickly like, oh, as a married man, I need to get a master bathroom for this marriage to work and function on all cylinders, okay? I didn't know there was so much stuff you could have in a bathroom. Like, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, so I needed more room, but it took three years. And then I think we got to use it once or twice between the two of us. And it was like, okay, enjoy it. Next person. Um, but remodeling is, is two phases. It, it's the demolition and it's the construction. So when you're doing the demolition, you're removing everything, you're taking out, you know, the subfloor that has mold, you're taking out the drywall that, that is going to be tiled, whatever it might be, and then you start constructing it. You start putting new stuff in. And that's exactly how our faith walk is. When you go all in with Jesus, this scripture is telling us that the old is gone. Like we have removed it and we're putting in new things. In Christ. The old is gone and the new is come. 
And if you were going to title today's message anything, you could title it Remodel Your Life. We're going Chip and Joanna Gaines on this thing. Um, After last service, I had a couple who does remodeling come up, and we're like, we're like the old Chip and Joanna Gaines. So we're doing, you know, Bonnie and Lonnie, Chip and Joanna Gaines, HGTV, Extreme Home Makeover, Christian Edition. Here we go. Let's start with demolition. Let's remove stuff. You got you to gotta break out the jackhammer. Well, jackhammer if you're doing like asphalt or concrete or something, but maybe a sludge hammer. That's always so satisfying. You know what? This is total side note, but I think uh, I've had a lot of females come up to me, or not come up to me, but tell me that what they would enjoy is going to one of those destruction places where you like break glass or like, you know, just hammer a drywall. I think you need to do what guys do, which is typically get their anger out. I think that might be the reason. Um, I've lost half the people. I'm so sorry. Um, let's go back to scripture. Oh my goodness, this is not good. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verses 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. We've died to our old life. This is, this is key when we're talking about the demolition side, that we take away the old life. We actually die to the old life. Do we have any hoarders in the room? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You self-admit. I appreciate that. Look, there's some people who are way more sentimental um, and there's some of us, maybe guys who have like a bunch of two by fours in your garage that you, they're scraps, but you're like, I promise I'm going to use, use it on some project. And you've carried it from house to house for the last 10 years. Just, just have a bonfire. Just <laughs> let me release you. Just have a bonfire. But it, it's, it can be hard to remove things, especially, um, things that we're attached to. And in Colossians chapter 2, it says, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And sin can be like a daunting sounding word. All it is is anything you do, think, or say that doesn't please God. It separates us from Him. That's what sin is. So you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive. With Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And that's what we celebrated last week on Easter is that Christ took those dead things. He carried the sin, he carried the weight, the shame, all of it, and he took it to the cross so we didn't have to carry it to ourselves. Here's what's really important is that we have to acknowledge that Christ didn't die to make bad people good. He died so that dead things would come alive. And this could be really offensive, thinking, I, I am dead in my sins and, and my trespasses and my sinful nature. That could be offensive um, for people to acknowledge, like, on my own, without Christ, I'm stuck in that sinful nature. We're, we're all born in that. And so we need Christ. We need Christ. We have to acknowledge that some things need to die. Some things need to be put to death. Some things need to be removed. And that's what scripture is telling us is that our old life, we die to our old self, our old life. And when we celebrated Good Friday, 
before Easter, the day that, that Christ um, is hung on a cross, we, we specifically celebrate that. Take a moment to talk about his death because he, we know he's, he's risen, but the first part of it is he had to put some things to death. And he carried our sin, carried our shame to the cross. The next key when we're talking about this, this demo, this demolition, is that we need a savior. We have to recognize we need a savior. Because if we don't think we need saving, then why would we need Jesus? Like if we don't think we're lost, that we're dead, then why would we need Jesus? We don't need a savior if we, we think that we're, um, we can do it on our own, right? And I think we, what's hard about this is we live in a country where we're well off. It's a blessed country. Uh, we have access. I was just talking to someone um, who's so thankful, thinking about their, they were doing a remodel and just thankful that they had running water, right? Things we have access to like heating and air, bless God, and medicine, like all these different things, welfare, all of these benefits from living in a country. And even those who are worse, the, the worst off in our country are still the top one or two percent when it comes to lifestyle. We're an affluent country and we're blessed and we can fall into this trap thinking we can make it on our own. We can do it on our own. We, we are our own providers. But contrast this with someone who, who has a past. You know, they have a testimony, if you know what I mean. They, they come from a place where they know they need a Savior because they've, they've lived a life. They came to Christ maybe later in life, and they, they lived for the world. They, they were in gangs. They were addicted. It, they had something on the inside that was turmoil. They, they were in depression and muck. And then when they come to know Jesus, they recognize how much they need a Savior because they had lived in darkness for so long. They had gone their own way before coming to Jesus. And so they know they need a Savior. And contrast that with someone like me, where I grew up uh, believing there was a God, not necessarily uh, didn't have a relationship with him, but I had a, I would say a low dysfunctional household. You know, we were, I would say that's pretty good, a little dysfunction. If you don't have any dysfunction, then maybe it's communication is the dysfunction. I don't know. There's always a little bit of dysfunction, but I would say a great household. I, I grew up in a great family, very thankful for that. And it was 14 when I gave my life to Christ. So I went from like living what I would call, you know, a good, straight, and narrow life to, well, then I'm just now living a good, straight, and narrow life with Jesus. And so what that can do is you don't, I didn't necessarily recognize the true need I had to be a savior uh, because I didn't experience much. And so it took me later on in life where I was doing the church thing. Outwardly, everything was good. I was serving every single week. But on the inside, I really wasn't all in. Like I really didn't recognize how much I needed a Savior until I had my own personal rock bottom before I recognized I need a Savior. And God's always been faithful to me, and he's right there. So maybe if there's a young adult in the room, can I just say there's this moment... It typically happens after high school where 
if you've been in church for, for any length of time, you know what it looks like to be a Christian, but you have to ask yourself, like, am I, is this, do I actually have this faith, or am I just going through the motions? And you don't, please, you don't have to hit your own personal rock bottom to recognize you need a savior. Can I save someone, please? It is a gift from God for those who have stayed in the household of faith all their life. And you don't have to experience that. But I know for some of us, we're hard-headed and we had to try it ourselves. You know, there was two sons in the prodigal son story and one of them had to hit his head. You know, he had to find himself in the pig pens because the Bible says sin is fun for a season. It says like, yeah, you'll enjoy it for a moment, but ultimately it leads to death. And this is what we're talking about when it, when it comes to demolition is that our, we were dead in our sin and trespasses and that will find you out. So we remove that. We remove that. It's so important that we recognize we need a savior because here's, here's how we'll treat Jesus if we don't actually know, um, recognize the need for, for a savior is we'll treat him like a spiritual seasoning that we sprinkle on our life to make ourselves like a better person. You know, when I'm feeling down, when I'm not feeling great, when I, you know, maybe I messed up and now I feel like I need to get my life right and you sprinkle them in for a little bit until it tastes just right, and then you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. We can't treat them like a spiritual seasoning because Jesus isn't just a fresh coat of paint that you, you paint on the walls. He is a complete remodel of your life. It's a completely new thing. It's gutted, and it's constructed anew. Second part. So we've done the, we've done the demolition, all right? We've removed some old stuff, took out the mold, taken out the subfloor, had fun, taken out the drywall. Now it's time to construct something new because, yes, the old life is gone, but a new life has come. It's a new creation. So what does this look like? Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, so you have to receive the new life. You have to accept it. It's a free gift who receives his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So a complete motivation shift. Your whole life is, is in trajectory of trying to please Christ, to live for him. And then in 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Now, how differently we know him. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So what does this new life look like? What does it look like to construct a new life? And I want to give you a really simple tool um, we call the balanced life of a disciple. You could think of this as a blueprint for for living out your faith life. It, it's a really simple way to think of your Christian walk. And it's in three parts. It's up, it's in, and it's out. It's up with God, but a relationship with God, thriving, 
Faith, praying, worship, and then there's in. You're in with other believers. You're in discipleship groups. You're in community, growing together, iron sharpening iron, and then you're out. You're, you're serving others. You recognize this isn't just about a hope for me, but it's a, about a hope for the world. Up, in, and out. Up, in, and out. And I want to look at uh, Luke 6, which helps uh, describe well, it actually gives us a picture of what this looks like in the scripture. Because once you start seeing this, it's everywhere in the Bible, this up, in, and out. So this is Luke 6, verse 12. One, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. So Jesus, though God is praying, praying to the Father, he's finding his alone time, connecting with the Lord. So that's up. And then if you go to 13, at daybreak, he calls together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. So we have Jesus praying to the Father, and then he gathers his disciples, Christian mentees, if you will, Jesus followers, and showing them the way, what living for God looks like. It says, here are their names, Simon. Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas Iscariot, which I just think it would be the worst thing if your name was Judas, but you're not the bad Judas. You'd have to clarify that the rest of your life. I'm Judas, but not the one, not the bad one. Yes, I was one of the 12, but not the one who betrayed. No, Judas, son of James. That would be terrible. But you notice they're all named. They're all known. And this is, this is a big reason why we do groups is because you've got to be known. It, a Sunday conversation is not going to be enough time to know someone, what their strengths are, where they're, where they're hurting. It's not going to be enough time to know and be known. And then in verse 17, when they came from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers And by the crowds, there were people from all over. And again, here's we're we're going out now. We've got a time with the Lord. Jesus is praying. We're in with other believers, disciples, growing. Jesus showing them what it looks like to live for God in, in godly community. And then going out to all people, to all people. It's not just us four and no more, but a message for all people. From all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. And isn't this just beautiful, this rhythm that Jesus shows us that that he, he spends time with the source of it all, the Father, and then he goes and he builds up disciples and then he goes out and, and he's ministering to people, healing, healing people, giving them hope. And around here, you may have heard us phrase it like this. We love God, we love people, and we change the world. That's three things we do. This, this, this rhythm is so important to us that everything we do at church, everything we do is going to find itself in one of these categories, up in and out. And for some of us here, if you've gone through crash course, you've heard this. If you've been around any length of time, you've probably heard this. And it may start to feel like, oh, this is just review. But it's so important 
that we have checkups, right? You do this with your vehicle, let's do it with your spiritual side. You do this with so many other things, let's do a little spiritual check-in. How are you doing with your relationship with God? How are you doing with your relationship with other believers and growing and iron sharpening iron? How are you doing serving and reaching the lost? And today, I'm just going to focus on up. I don't have enough time to do in and out. So we're just going to look at up. So all of this is we're reconstructing or, or, or we're, we're demolishing the old and we're constructing the new. So what does that look like to go all in with the Lord? And it all starts with this. It starts with up, our relationship with God. You've got to construct, to create a relationship, a walk with the Lord. It all starts there. It, if you could think of it like this, it's the headwaters or it's the source of this new life. If you're going to find the source of a, a river or a creek, you'd have to go to the spring it starts at. Or you'd have to go to the mountains uh, and the watersheds where, where it all starts, where the snow's melting. The source of this whole thing is with God. And, and we tend, I, I'd venture to guess that, that we all have at least one or two that we're not as good at. And if I'm being honest, the one I struggle with the most is actually up. I, I'm really good at, at serving and doing. Um, I think I'm okay at, at being in relationship with other people. Some of my friends would say I need to work on that one too, but um, I'm really good at, at that. But sometimes I can do all the right things, but forget to be connected to the source of it all. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And maybe today you find yourself that maybe you too struggle with, with that one. And this may seem like the basics, and it is. Like if you listen to any uh, coach when it comes to sports, if they have a bad game, oftentimes they're, they're telling their team, we're going to work on the basics. You know, what went wrong as they're interviewed and they're like, well, we just... We need to go back to the basics. And today, it's the basics. You know we never graduate from the basics, right? We never graduate from the basics. We, we master these things. We come back to them. We work on them. It's a lifelong process. So to go all in, we got to master the basics. So what, what if, if you're constructing this up, in, and out, this faith walk, what, how do you construct the up piece? How do you have a relationship with God? Well, let's not overcomplicate it. God wants a relationship with you, and how do you treat any other relationship you want to be in? You spend time with them. You're intentional. Like if you're married in the room, there's, there's probably dates because you're trying to be intentional about your time. You're, you're talking. You're, at, you're learning about them. And with God, it's the same thing. When you spend time with them, you learn about who he is. You learn about what he's like and what he likes because he has preferences. Spending time with him you may have heard these before. Looks like prayer, reading your Bible, worship, and repentance. We don't have to overcomplicate it. And if you're like me, you can be doing the church thing and you forget to do the foundational things. Just simply praying to God, talking with him. And by the way, prayer is a two-way street, right? It's you're talking to him and he can talk to you. It's reading the Bible, learning about him. What is he like? What's his character like? 
That's, he, he's given us a whole book so we can learn about who he is and what he's like. We worship him. We honor and thank him. Just like if you love someone, you appreciate them. We, we appreciate and thank and honor and glorify God through worship. And we practice repentance, which that can sound also like a big, uh, scary, you know, Christianese word. But all it means is, is turning away from all things. Turning away, doing a 180. And you've probably experienced this by this point in life where you've had beef with someone I know in middle school, how I deal with beef with my friends is we would just wrestle it out. Like you're mad at each other, someone said something, and you wrestle it out, and now you're best friends. I don't know how girls do it, but that's how guys have done it before. And, and whenever there's beef between you and the Lord, whenever there's something that separates you, some, some things get in the way, wedges, some sin, some, some things like that, all you have to do is say, I'm sorry, God. I, I turn away from those things. And if you recognize, if you've been around here, we do this publicly every time we gather. We worship together. We pray together. We hear the word. We, we, we talk about scripture. And oftentimes there's a moment at the end of a service to, to turn, to, to repent, to change our ways. And this is helpful to, to show you, this is what it, it's modeled like. So it shouldn't just happen on a Sunday, but it should happen Monday through Saturday in your private life. You can, you can access God anytime. He is not confined to a room on a few hours on a Sunday. He goes with you wherever you go. And can I just say this about living the Christian walk and, and going all in with, with Jesus is that halfway is not satisfying. Halfway, it leaves you empty, frustrated. And if you're a Christian in the room and you, maybe you felt like stumped in your face. You feel like, you know, I'm, I think I'm doing all the right things. Like what's going on? It could be that there's some halfway things going on and it's so unsatisfying. Here, you know what this is like because has anyone yawned and been interrupted? You know what this is like. It's not fun. It's not good. I've been in the car before, cranking the music, getting into it, and someone calls me on the phone, interrupts the whole thing. I'm so upset. Like, this is not how it was supposed to be. I was in my favorite part. Or this is something terrible. Abby, my wife, and I are doing is uh, whenever another person yawns, uh, we'll stick our hands in the other person's <laughs> mouth. So not satisfying to not be able to complete the yawn. Terrible. Another thing that's not satisfying halfway is construction. And all the drivers in Canyon County said amen. <laughs> construction halfway is, is not satisfying. We're talking about remodeling your life. Don't go halfway with the remodel. Go all the way. Because what, what can happen is, is we can amass a bunch of knowledge about what we should do, and then we never do anything. I found myself in this place so many times. God gets me on this all the time. Is that I know something, know something I should do, but I don't do it. Anybody work out in, in the room? Okay, you're not better than me, just so you know. But I've been, I've been telling Abby that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out with her in the morning. Like I've been saying that like the last 
three months. Um, and it hasn't happened. I, I am like, I know I should work out. Like, I know the benefits. I know I'm going to feel good. I know I'm going to look better. I know all these things. You know, I'm not going to be out of breath going up one flight of stairs, these kind of things. But if it's not applied, if the knowledge doesn't have action to match, it, it's good for nothing. The knowledge doesn't, doesn't even matter because we don't act on it. And, and this is what, what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So there's two parts there I want to point out. Listens to my teaching. So someone who knows it, they've heard it, they know it. And the second part, follows it, is wise. So they know and they do it is wise. They're like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. So, so now again, we have someone who hears my teaching, so knows it, but doesn't obey it. So they have the knowledge, they just don't follow through. Like my workout plan. I know it, but I don't follow through. They are foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I'm telling you, go all in with Jesus. Don't do it halfway. Don't just know. That's, that's half the equation. You got to know. You got to know, know God, know the, the, the scriptures, know about him but you also have to do it. And your knowledge should not vastly outpace your doing. Your knowledge should not far outpace your doing. Your doing should match your knowledge. Don't leave your doing in the dust. And if you're someone in the room who maybe you're a believer, maybe, <laughs> believer or not, we can become frustrated with other Christians because of this exact thing. This is why if Christians have a bad rap in the world, it is, it is this part. It's because we know what we should do. It's just we don't always do it. And we all fall in that category. And I'm not saying we're going to get it perfect every time. We're not. And if you're new to faith, you, let me just take you off the hook a little bit. You're going to mess up. Like if you're a toddler in the faith, we're okay with changing diapers, if you know what I mean. Okay? But when I was younger... I looked at what I thought as radical Christian living, like, like, oh, he's a Christian, but like a radical Christian. Like, they're, they're actually praying for people in the middle of the lunchroom. Like, that, that's crazy. Or they're actually, like, inviting people to youth group or going on a missions trip, being on the, the worship team, whatever it was. I thought that was radical, but... You know what all it is, is they knew what they sh God has told them to do, and they just did it. And that's all it is. It's as simple as that. We don't have to overcomplicate it. And I want to read a portion um, of a book as the band comes up. I want to read a portion of the book. Uh, there's a little excerpt. The book is really not about what I'm about to read, but it, it's such a fascinating story. It's, 
It's a college guy, a, a frat, frat guy, who when he was saved, how he got saved, before he was partying, you know, doing the frat life, and then at one point, someone on campus gives him a Bible. And he starts reading it. He actually starts reading it. There was no church service, no altar call. All he did was start reading God's word. And it changed his life. He met Jesus and the saving power of the cross through, through reading the word and learning about God and who he is. He, uh, he made a joke about, you know, he was really confused when he was reading the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the account of Jesus. He, he was really confused why they kept killing off the main character again and again and again. Why do they keep, Jesus is a nice guy. Why do they keep killing him? But here's, here's how he describes his first experience living for God. A few of my party friends and I stumbled into starting a Bible study. Did I say Bible study? Not quite. About eight or 10 of us would gather before going out drinking to read a chapter of the Bible and pray that God would protect us as we partied. <laughs> but God was up to something. One by one, he was drawing us to himself. God quickly and dramatically redirected our lives toward pleasing him instead of ourselves. Living for him than ourselves. Because we had come to Christ as a result of reading the Bible, our focus was simple. Get people to read the Bible. That was it. Nothing more, nothing less. Our goal was to get anyone and everyone to gather and to read God's word. No group was ever more naive than we were. If the Bible said it, we believed it was possible. And check this out, this knowing and doing. When the Bible said God would answer prayers, we prayed and he answered prayers. When the Bible said to pray for those who were sick, we prayed and God often healed the sick. When the Bible said to sell something and give the money to the poor, we did just that. When the Bible said to be the salt and light of the world, we took that direction and told everyone we knew about Jesus. People were saved, lots of them. Athletes came to Christ, professors were baptized, sorority girls left cake parties to pray. One girl was really, had really bad eyesight and was healed. Everyone on this small campus knew that something was happening. The word spread. This little band of untrained, immature, but sincerely passionate people experienced the kind of things you read about in the book of Acts. Man, I want that, that kind of walk with God where I know and I do it. I know and do. Here's, here's some challenges for you. So let's get practical. Let's, let me give you some, some doing. If you find yourself today in the spot where, yeah, I need to work on my relationship with God. I know enough to know that I want to do some things in my walk of faith. Here's my challenge. If you don't have a time and place with God, find a time and place with God. Here's what you could do. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, that's it, of worship, five minutes of worship, five minutes of the Bible, five minutes of prayer. Nothing crazy, you could do that on your way to work. Just make sure you, you do the audio version of the Bible, that way you're not reading and in traffic, that's not good. 
And if you've got those squared away, maybe, maybe this is your next step, is baptisms are next week. And you fall into that category where you've given your life to Jesus. You know the old is gone and the new has come. Can I tell you, baptism is the step to, to profess that before God and his people, that the old life is gone. You die in the waters of baptism, just like Jesus uh, died in the cross and was raised, buried and raised three days later in new life. Or maybe you just need some people around you, some, some mentors, just like Jesus brought his disciples around. People want to, to show you what it looks like to live for God. So if you need someone in your life, some people in your life to show you what it looks like to live for God, there's a following God class every Sunday at 10 o'clock that you can go to. You can join in at any time. And they're gonna show you some of the foundations, the basics of living for God. Would you guys stand with me? Second Corinthians 5, 17. It's a whole message right here. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has become. Let's remodel our lives after him. We're gonna demo the old life. We're gonna get, some, get rid of some things that need to go. And we're gonna construct our new life in Christ the way he wants us to. What do you have to lose? Go all in. I'm telling you, if you're trying to live for God, but doing it halfway, it's gonna be dissatisfying. There's nothing more liberating and invigorating than giving your all to Jesus and living completely for him. It's a good life. I tried the halfway thing. The only way is all in. When I, uh, when I finally finished that master bathroom, three years later, you know what my only regret was? I didn't start sooner. I didn't start sooner. How, how my house was arranged, my bedroom was here, my closet was here, and my bathroom was in between. So for three years, I walked from the bedroom to the closet to get my clothes and out. Three years, every day, seeing, uh, acknowledging, yeah, I should probably get on that. Yeah, yeah, I should probably, I'm gonna, but tomorrow, but tomorrow, don't put it off. There's some things God has been telling you today. He's been speaking. It's maybe just one thing God has brought up this whole time. You, you've been, you, there's, you can't get anything else in your mind because you can only think about that one thing God has been saying to you do it my only regret was that I didn't start sooner would you just raise your hands and surrender Lord we're sorry for all the times we've we've put off what you've asked us to do God, we're sorry for, for just collecting a bunch of knowledge about you, but never taking action, God. Never moving forward. God, help us. Let us be like the man who built his house on bedrock, who knew your teaching, who knew about you and put it into practice. 
who followed you in every single way. Let us be like that man. And God, for any of us who, for all of us who struggle with knowing and, and, and maybe getting paralysis, maybe there's fear of stepping out, whatever that is, God, I just pray that there would be a boldness in the name of Jesus to step out with all power and authority that you've given us to live this overcoming life in you, Jesus. Let the old life die and let the new life begin. God, we do not want to gain the world, but lose our soul. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Come on, would you worship? Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.